Hello everyone, good evening. Thank you so much for joining me. Kia ora, namaskar, greetings. So tonight I have a very special guest with me. I have Vinay Gunther, who's been an old, who's an old friend of mine. I've always um, gone to Vinay whenever I needed to just talk about deep subjects and Vinay is a guest art therapist. So thank you so much for joining us, Vinay. Mm, happy to be here. <laughs> Tell us um, a little bit about um, your background so people can get to know you a little. Sure. Well, um, I started an undermarket meditation at the ripe age of uh, 4 to 13. <laughs> That's a little unusual. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of had an interest in it from a, from that early age and um, I managed to meet a, a sister who had been to India and was touring Australia and was very inspired. That was 1973. So, um, yeah, those were kind of heady days, just post the 60s. Myself and my family all got pretty interested in it and mm. I threw myself into it. So this was just post 60s and yeah. a lot of people interested in yoga meditation at that time and gurus, so that was sort of in the atmosphere. Um, and, yeah, that was kind of the early days, really, uh, Nandamagra in Australia. And then um, I've sort of been doing it ever since, really. And... Um, it's continued to work for me, both in terms of the practices and the philosophy, and it sort of underpins really mm. how I am in my life and mm. what I think I'm doing and mm. provides an ongoing source of inspiration. So that's uh, something I'm very appreciative of. Yes. And uh, the... Um, that's a spiritual bit. Yeah. Sorry. You carry on. Uh, the, the, the other bit is, well, I mean, I, I got involved in the organisation when I left school and was working in the office in Sydney for a number of years as a young man doing all sorts of exciting things and involved with the magazine and that we had and the printing press and food co-ops and street theatre and all sorts of uh, political activity we were doing at the time and I got involved with RAWA, Renaissance Artists and Writers mm -hmm. Association and we did a whole lot of fun and interesting things in those days and we even had a house in Sydney called the Rawa House that a bunch of people lived in and we used to go there and play music and listen to music and practice theatre and stuff and I got involved with clowning and mm, so yeah that was right. a whole lot of creativity um, going on at that time. I was also uh, had a musical background so I had learned classical cello and in those years in Sydney I also sort of learned how to play jazz cello so I could kind of be a bit more contemporary and play with other people and play with you know kirtan and, and things like that um i didn't know you so played that cello. Was, it's amazing i don't think i've yeah, seen yeah. you play cello well you know and then then i had three kids and <laughs> i had five kids and um yeah. <laughs> i just could i couldn't do everything i did a lot of things but that was uh, the cello was always just there in the background but i guess uh, my second daughter Gidika did learn the cello for a while but um i just couldn't ever get to it i i did buy piano because that was a little easier just to sort of yeah, play around with for a while yeah. um but uh yeah i just i've done a lot in my life but i haven't been able to fit in the music bit in that sense. So I guess it's mainly got channeled into uh, Kirtan, really. That's my yeah. sole musical outlet in terms mm -hmm. of uh, activity and performance. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I do remember those days. You know, I was in Australia in 1976, I think it was, and I do remember that. Yes. There was a lot of activity, mm. wasn't there? 
heaps it going on them. Yes. Yeah, well, well, actually, the, when we had the railway house, it was 1980, um, <clears throat> uh, I think. But, yeah, I remember you coming across in 76. And there was lots was, going on. But then, I was though. still in school then. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> that's amazing. You, got, you came across it at school. Was it at school that you? No, 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 no. It was actually through the Theosophical Society mm. uh, in Hobart, Tasmania, and they used to have presentations on astral traveling and all sorts of things. Oh, okay. And the sister Sangamitra came touring through, and so she gave a talk. And oh, <clears throat> yeah, it's just kind of. So, are you from Hobart engaged. originally? Are you from that? Yeah, area? I grew. Well, I grew up in Hobart. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's why you've returned there, like when you're not in China. Yeah, Hobart, <laughs> aren't you? Huh? Probably the last place I'd move back to, but uh, I don't know. My wife Shatara likes it there. She's decided that's the place that she likes, so you know yeah. that's why we're there. And yeah. it's not it's not an unpleasant place. It's very no. pretty. Yeah, it's a little too quiet for me, but you know I get to travel around the world, so it's a nice place to come back to. Yeah. So tell us about the other aspects of your life because you're talking about traveling around the world. So what is? Uh, yeah. Well. I mean, the the thing that I chose to do professionally was therapy, and I studied Gestalt therapy. Mm. And you can see I'm a sort of a, a you know loyal to a tradition, I'm very loyal to sort of the, an under Margaret tradition. I'm very loyal to Gestalt, so I've been teaching Gestalt for 35 years um, and practicing. And I had an institute in Lismore for 17 years in in New South Wales, Australia. Um, and then um, when my kids grew up, I sort of gave away the institute and so over the last dozen years I've been just kind of traveling around uh, teaching different countries uh, firstly in the US and Mexico and a little bit Europe and then mainly focusing on Southeast Asia uh, Japan and Korea and now mainly China where we've got a lot of activity. Was it relatively new when you came to China or was it or had already been established? Um, Gishot had been here for a while. There's, um, there's um, a colleague from Canada who had been teaching it for about um, uh, almost 10 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been here 10 years now, so, but he, he, he sort of came probably about 15 or 16 years ago. Fascinating. Yeah. Mm. 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 I'm always interested to see how does it translate culturally from one country to the other. You know. Well, in some ways, Gestalt therapy itself is, I mean, I described it as a Taoist psychotherapy, so it, mm. it actually kind of works very well here mm. in a bunch mm. of ways. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's different in different cultures. Like Japan has a, a, a very particular kind of culture where the inside and the outside are kind of different and people don't really reveal what's going on the inside. <clears throat> but in China, people are much more forthright, so mm. I think Gestalt sort of fits quite quite well into the ethos here um of course there's you know a whole lot of differences from teaching in the west um but i find people can grasp it quite quickly and <coughs> readily and you know it's uh it's very exciting being here because in terms of personal growth work and, and psychotherapy like china is a bit like the us or the west in the 1960s people are very enthusiastic and um you know, ready Excellent. to learn and it's great to have a bunch of students like that, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And what about the relationship with yours? How does that connect with you? Um, you know, you have your own spiritual practice. Um, is there, what's the relationship between Gestalt and your, your own spiritual practice? Well, 
I mean, Gestalt therapy in itself is a psychological practice, so it's about the contents of mind, whereas spirituality ultimately is is about um, contents of consciousness, and not the contents, but the the, the pure nature of consciousness. So in some sense, they're um, distinct in in the Mm. facet of spirituality that's about kind of transcendent experience. Yes. But, of course, you know, not many of us spend all our time in transcendent states. So. (laughs) Most of the time we're, you know, on the ground, walking the earth, washing dishes, taking care of kids or grandkids in my case, and um, dealing with the stuff of ordinary life. Yes. So, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, psychology is obviously very inter- very interesting and relevant to yes. how does one live one's life. And exactly. Nandamag, we have Jama Nyama, the, you know, the ethical principles, which are kind of like about how do you adjust between kind of a spiritual transcendent framework and, and human relations and um so yeah psychotherapy gestalt's very much about the living of life in a way which is kind of integrated and balanced and centered and mm. there's certain principles there like authenticity and such mm. um though there's i mean i could say a lot about gestalt <laughs> it's uh one of the roots it draws from is the philosophy of martin buber who talked about what he called the i and thou and in in his philosophy as a jewish hasidic philosopher he was interested he didn't originally talk about um these ideas in a psychotherapeutic arena he was talking about them in a spiritual arena because from his point of view um god is not something that's sort of abstract and untouchable god reveals himself to us through the faces of human beings so yeah. he felt like the the either relationship as he called it is kind of our way of accessing god through other people it's a really lovely kind of idea yeah so that that quality of contact that we, he terms the i and thou is like a a state of kind of meeting a very profound meeting that you know p- people in the ordinary lives experience and you know in love or other kind of junctions or even random moments where you meet with someone and there's just this extraordinary kind of resonance with the other person and and there's some sort of sense of depth and meaning and purpose in in that meeting so you know he saw that as a a kind of a a manifestation of Mm. spirituality Mm. and so he started from that more spiritual place in practices like gestalt it's not necessarily about reaching a transcendent entity but it is about really the depth of human contact that's possible when yeah. the other person is an end in themselves rather than a means to an end. So mm. Gestalt has some mm-hmm. really lovely elements like that that have kind of, you could say, spiritual qualities as well as, uh, as I say, it's very Taoist therapy. So it's very much about being kind of fully with what is, which is very much, you know, the Zen thing or, you know, many spiritual paths talk about being with what is. Yeah. And so right. um, Gestalt is like a psychological aspect of that, whereas obviously when you do that on a as a spiritual practice, you're kind of dropping down yes. a couple more levels into yeah. the, the, the what is without content. Yes. Um, so, yeah, lots very I well can explained. say about that, which is yeah, interesting. Very, but very well yeah. explained. Thank you. Very well explained. So tell us a little bit about mm, what inspiring project or projects are you doing of late? Right. Well, I mean, my life is kind of engaged, my work life very much with teaching and practicing Gestalt. And um, so being here in China especially is uh, exciting for me. I like Chinese people. I like Chinese culture. I like working here. I like teaching here. And um, 
I have a wonderful organiser that I'm very blessed with. So she does all the setup work and I just have to teach and such, which is yeah, a wonderful amazing. thing at this point in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I do appreciate that a lot. And, you know, I get to reach a lot of people. And so, for instance, during COVID times, because I couldn't get back to China to teach face to face, she set up a whole lot of uh, online demonstration sessions. So I did like a, a series of 20 sessions with a person and it was filmed and people would watch it and then, you know, she deconstruct it so they could learn about Gestalt. So we've really been sort of spreading mm. Gestalt. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, some time ago, actually, my, my Acharya Dharma Vedananda about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or something, I don't remember exactly when, he said something to me um uh, uh, sort of like prompting me about, well, something like, you know, think about how you can bring spirituality more into your work. Or he, he gave me some mm. direction mm. like that. And mm. I was sort of like, oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, well, I could um, I could do kirtan at the beginning of my classes. So, yeah, about 10 years ago I started doing that. So before every class and now before and after each class. So basically the first half an hour and last half an hour of each teaching day is 15 minutes kirtan and 15 minutes sadhana. So I'm kind of, you know, doing this thing with people and people love it and I love it and it's a really nice way to start and finish the day and I feel like I'm, you know, bring spirituality into their lives in a, a way which also then just flows into the psychological realm. Um, so, yeah, that's been that's amazing. pretty pretty good for me to, to do that and to feel like I can kind of integrate some of my spirituality or share that with people in ways that you know, seems to work really well for them. Yeah, that sounds wonderful, really wonderful. So, as you know, we have the Kirtan Academy and uh, started fairly recently. And some of our members, as I was saying to you, um, do suffer from performance anxiety. And as you, and, and I have invited you and you've agreed, which is wonderful, to come and speak to us in a couple of months. So just wondering if you want to give a few thoughts, just a couple of thoughts on that. I know there's a whole bunch of things. Obviously, there's people's personal histories and mm. performance anxiety is a form of anxiety. And, um, you know, each person has their own kind of history of yeah. anxiety uh, so it, it depends on you know some people come from traumatized backgrounds or a lot of criticism or something so obviously yes. where that's a kind of base in the background in your family field then that's going to interrupt all sorts of yes. areas being confident or expressing yourself um, so on, on some level, that's a, a more personal piece of work that needs a lot of support for people to yes. kind of get through whatever that the effects of that trauma is. Um, and at the same time, a lot of people, I think a vast majority, I'm not sure what exactly the statistics are, but most people have some measure of performance anxiety when it comes to public speaking, certainly, and, you know, any kind of performance activity. So it's not just about trauma. It's, it's also about exposure, for instance. So yeah. uh, when people stand up in front of other people, there's a lot of exposure and that requires a great deal of sort of self-support, both yeah. cognitively yeah. and energetically and emotionally. And um, uh, so I guess there's a lot of, practical things people can do around how to 
bring more support into a situation where you're kind of exposed like that. So cognitively, there's the things you tell yourself and somatically there's your posture and your breathing and also um, uh, allowing yourself to kind of be present in your body. Uh, Well, that kind of goes with it because when you're in your body, you are present by definition if if you're really feeling. Mm. By definition, the experience of the body is present. So it's a very good way of coming into the present. Um, So, yeah, grounding oneself and one's body and one's feelings and uh, breathing through them. And I mean, those are some basic things. And then um, there's also the level of energy that you have. So in a way, the more energy you have, the easier it is to kind of express yourself. If you've got a low level of energy, it's, you know, there's like a big hump. And if you've got a, a lot of energy and your energy is flowing, then expressing is kind of easier <clears throat> so the, the question is how much energy you have and how much you're able to flow with that energy so how much energy you have in the first place is a whole lot of personal factors but um that's something that kind of needs attention because yeah if you you don't have much energy it's very difficult to step into a situation where you're kind of essentially sharing your energy with a bunch of people mm, right. um and, and so, so that's one thing. And then in terms of the flow of energy, there's lots of ways people block that flow of energy, again, staying cognitively, somatically. So if you're aware of how you do that blocking and you're able to unblock and, and let the energy flow, then that, that's kind of a simple version of how it can work better, how you can move through that kind of performance anxiety. Um, but th- mm. those are kind of brief words, whereas the actuality of dealing with the interruptions, which sometimes are very habitual and mm-hmm. people hold their breath and freeze freeze up in different ways somatically. Um, so it requires some awareness of the details of how you do that. And each person does that a little differently. Um, some people even disassociate. You know, that's mm-hmm. where the energy just, there's, <laughs> there's no energy there and they're yeah. just kind of somewhere disconnected. And yes. then, you know, obviously that's not going to really work very well. Though, that is a common way people deal with yes. being in an overwhelming situation is disassociate. Um, but there are ways to so come like back, this, isn't there? There are ways to come back into the body if you're disassociating. Yeah, sure, that's right. There's 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 techniques and such, and primarily though, above and beyond techniques, it is about awareness, and that's a yeah. sort of a a bit more of a wide a wider practice um, yeah. of being able to be aware of what happens when I'm triggered and. And what I tend to do, and and so you know that obviously that needs to be practiced in non-performance situations. Uh, certainly, being able to um, practice some of those that awareness or those techniques in little trial situations is yes. very good. You have one person in the room with you, and you kind of practice it or something, and it's a lot easier than twenty people or hundred people, whatever that is that you're performing to. Um, yes, even as you probably know by now, I mean, obviously you're used to it with all these podcasts, but I mean, even being in front of a camera is kind of a bit daunting, I found yeah. uh, at first. Yeah. And even though it's just me and the camera, and even if it wasn't live, it's was just like, a bit, like I had to do the same thing, get my energy up and get the flow happening. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of ways to sort sure. of practice that in, mm-hmm. with less risk. Yes, that's right. I totally hear you. Yes, oh, I really look forward to that session. 21 years this year, so that's pretty cool. Uh, however, it's not all been smooth sailing. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I both have uh, blocks and traumas and whatever that, you know, 
it's been a long working through process. And um, about, uh, I don't know, 11 or 12 years ago, we were going through a very difficult period in a marriage and um, I was feeling very desolate, <clears throat> very desolate indeed, and um, kind of hopeless and just like right at the edge of... Uh, even even just in this brief introduction, you've given me some thoughts and some inspiration. So thank you for that. And I think it's going to be very useful and very practical. So let me, um, would cool. you like to share one experience, one Ketan experience perhaps that you have uh, with us or some kind of spiritual experience to end with? It would be lovely. Sure. Well, um, actually, I've been, this is my second marriage. I've been married uh, feeling some kind of, profound existential angst or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, and again, I talked to Dharma Vedananda. He's been very good for being there at, at specific times when I needed him. And um, I said, Adela, you know, I'm going through all this terrible time and I'm feeling awful and, you know, what shall I do? And and so he said, and it was a, it was like New Year's or something, so it was, yeah. you know, treat, treat and yeah. come to Kirtan and everything. So he said, well, why, you know, there's 12-hour Kirtan up. Why don't you just do Kirtan for 12 hours straight? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's a great idea. Okay. <laughs> sounds like, that sounds like hard yakka. I can, I can come at that, just sort of put my nose to Kirtan grindstone. And <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a good sort of stoic kind of. Yeah, wow. Challenge, hours, you know, whoa. as spiritual Stoics challenge, ascetic yeah. challenge, whatever. So uh, I did, I did. It's, oh. I, you know, whatever it was, it started at 7 p.m. as they do, or, you know, went to 7 a.m. and I just yeah. did it 24 hours, uh, 12 hours. Oh. And um, that was great, you know, I yeah. did. I By yeah. the end of the, that 12 hours, I just felt like I, you know, shared a whole lot of, stress and distress and mm -hmm. attachments and confusion and you know all that swirling stuff and wow. I felt yeah much clearer and it was wonderful wow. I, I really appreciated deeply that experience um so that's that's one experience I, ha I have another one but anyway that's probably enough for now <laughs> oh you don't want to share it now oh you just <laughs> well, it's a bit, it's a little bit kind of edgy, so I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, I guess I share it. It's not, you know, something that, in a way, I would probably encourage people to do. But anyway, it was an experience, <laughs> and it's a little unusual. Um, you know, I, I haven't, uh, I don't drink or take drugs or whatever, and I've, I've had drugs like three times in my life. When I was twenty-five, I had took ecstasy. And then I think when I was 50, Satara said, oh, let's get stoned. So we got stoned once. <laughs> and then the third time, the second experience, oh, no, sorry, I got drunk once. Because, you know, <laughs> like, okay, see what it's like. <laughs> and, then, and then a friend of mine was encouraging me to take ayahuasca. And I'm like, mm. oh, yeah. But anyway, long story short, there was some circumstances and I decided to do it and I went to with these, you know, Colombian shamans and yeah. everything and I had this weekend. And I, uh, they they were playing this beautiful music, and mm. um, I was uh, I was doing sadhana the whole time. I wasn't really interested in the drug experience. I was interested in it as a sort of a, an access to some deeper spiritual experience. Yeah. yeah. So I just basically kind of did sadhana for 
I don't know, you know, eight hours straight. And somehow the, the ayahuasca just helped me, like, not helped me. I focused on my mantra so that there was just me and the mantra and then this, you know, whatever, this amazing spirit that's in ayahuasca. So I just had this, like, incredible spiritual clarity, basically. My, my, my meditation just went very, 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 very deep, mm. deeper, way, way deeper than normal. Yeah. And, um, and I felt just, like, completely clear. And I was a bit cynical. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 well, you know, let's see whether this <laughs> lasts, you know. It's just some little trippy thing. But it did, you know. I still... I still have the clarity that I got from that experience is still with me in my meditation, which is pretty cool. So it did take me to a deeper place. And um, after it, I was doing kirtan. For, I was just saying some kirtan for like, I don't know, three hours or something. And it was just mm-hmm. the most wonderful, like because I was spir- so spiritually open and yeah. so relaxed and so mm-hmm. present in ways mm-hmm. that I'm normally not. Even after a retreat along sadhana, I'm, I'm not normally that kind of spiritually clear mm. and um so the kirtan was just so sweet and just so just like delicious mm. that's all mm. i can call it you know it just yeah. had a very particularly soft delicious quality to it you know which i mm. i really appreciated so i guess that experience really you know it was helped me i mean i wouldn't recommend people just like willy-nilly <laughs> you know take it to access the spiritual realms i don't i i think that's like a once experience, you know, yeah, yeah. it takes you somewhere. If you do it more than once, then you've sort of lost the point really because yeah. the point is to access some deeper spiritual level. So I'm not advocating it as, no, but, it it, you know, in my case, that was, experience. I guess, you know, I've been meditating for 40 years. So, you know, I was kind of using all my meditation acumen to, mm. to use it as an experience to go deeper. Yeah. And so um, it's very, yeah, very hard opening cliche but yeah it was very much that sort of when you were doing very ketone, soft were you doing ketone were you doing ketone alone or with you with no no no, no everyone was sitting there this was afterwards yes, you yes. know so people were just kind of really chilling and you yeah, know yeah, very yeah. open and mm. quiet and, i've done yeah, some ketone with people who are just taking ayahuasca in brazil and i remember the experience they were they were very open i had that sense that they were really mm. in some kind of flow Thank you, Vino. That's really interesting. And I was wondering, would you like to share a kirtan with us? One that's perhaps one that's your favourite. Uh, I don't have a guitar here. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so so I can't really do that. Um, <laughs> I have to say that of all the recorded kirtans, that my very favourite is uh, "Colors" by Soja. That is like that that album. I just listen to it like probably every day. I put it on and. It's just something about it's just like perfect mm. somehow for me. So mm. that, that's something I love listening to. Yeah. But, yeah, I can't play a track right now, unfortunately. That's okay. I'll play one at the yeah. end, perhaps, for you. Which one would you like? You can, oh, you know, Unity Hours, that's my favourite. You know, the one that you did in the subway, you know. Oh, the Unity Hours song. Okay. I'll do that, Ketan, yeah, for yeah. you at the end of it. Okay, <laughs> well done. <laughs> Every moment, every way 
Hey, my 